0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is just take a deep breath in and hold your breath and push down like you're trying to push out a baby. Hey ladies, just a warning. This episode starts inside a vagina. So if you don't like vaginas, get out while you can. So push down, 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 push down and then relax. Okay, well done. I'm at a pelvic floor examination. It's an internal exam
2: where a pelvic floor physio sticks her fingers inside your vagina to get a read on where your pelvic organs are sitting and the strength of your pelvic muscles.
1: Now take a big breath in. Hold your breath and cough. (coughs) Cough down, big cough. (coughs) Okay, well done. Okay, now from here, take a pelvic floor squeeze. Okay, And then let it go. All right. There is a little bit more stretch in your area than average, um, which is not surprising with you giving birth twice, particularly with a four plus kilogram baby.
2: I'm in the consulting room, but I'm not the one being examined. Ladies supervising producer Madeline is putting her body on the line for this episode. The look on Madeline's face indicates that it's hard to cough with a stranger standing between your legs. I'm just keeping Madeline company. I was asked if I wanted to volunteer for an examination and I said no. If my vagina is a smouldering ruin, I don't need to share that information with the world. A pelvic floor exam tells you whether you have a prolapse or whether incontinence could be on the cards. It can be that urgency to get to the toilet or having to duck in somewhere to pee on your way home from work, or a bit of wee coming out when you sneeze or laugh. The statistics are actually shocking. One in four Australians have an incontinence issue, and 80% of those Australians are women. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about the pelvic floor in all of us.
3: Pelvic floor is a group of muscles that are joined by connective tissue to the vagina and the uterus and the bladder and the bowel. This is Dr Jennifer King.
2: She works at Westmead, one of Sydney's largest hospitals. She's also chair of the Urogynecological Society of Australasia.
3: Over time, with babies with heavy lifting, carrying a bit too much weight, all of those attachments stretch, our muscles get a little weaker as we get older and things start to sag. I think we're basically poorly designed. If you think about it, we're standing up and we're standing up over a gap. Everything in our abdomen, every time we increase our intra-abdominal pressure, exercise, laughing, we push down and there's nothing stopping that falling down. So as soon as you start to get a little bit of stretching and sagging and changing in tissues, things will start to fall out and they fall out that space of the vagina because they can. Now, We all have a little bit of weakness there. My vagina isn't the same as it was when I was 20 years old. And do I care? No, because my face isn't either. (laughs) My boobs aren't either. Everything changes. And that is part of ageing. Your pelvic floor basically holds
2: you together from your tailbone to your pubic bone. But these muscles can change throughout a woman's life. Pregnancy, childbirth, straining on poo, obesity chronic coughing and menopause, all can change the muscles. And if they aren't strong, you can have problems like incontinence, sexual dysfunction and prolapse, which is where a pelvic organ like your bladder or your uterus can push on the walls of your vagina and
0: sometimes even protrude out. I think I may have texted my husband with a text while he was at work saying, help, my vagina's falling out. Scary, right?
2: But if you're over 50 and you've had a vaginal birth, you have a 50% likelihood of some sort of prolapse. Of course, lots of us won't need any kind of medical intervention, but just the thought of something falling out of my vagina has got me doing some champion clenching through that whole area. Let's go back to the pelvic floor exam room with Angela James. She's a pelvic floor physiotherapist and has checked out thousands
1: of vaginas. I'm going to look a bit more specifically now at what actually moves. Are you okay with that? Sure. Okay. So, just with a gentle um, insertion of a gloved finger, I'm just going to pull down on the back wall of your vagina and I'm going to ask you to take a breath in. Okay, hold the breath and push down just looking at the bladder wall movement, okay? And let that go, well done. So that moves a little bit more than average, but we're now gonna look at the other side. So I'm gonna put a gentle pressure on the front wall of your vagina. Take a breath in, hold your breath and bear down. Push down, push down, push down, push down, push down. And then relax. So the thing that moves the most is the front wall. So the bladder moves a bit more than average. Not, Not too bad, not a prolapse, but moves a bit more than what it would have done before you had your four kilogram baby.
0: And so if I was a new patient and you were seeing me after a birth, what would that mean? Would that mean pelvic
3: floor exercises or something along those lines?
1: Absolutely. So one of the first things that we would do for you would be prescribing a specific pelvic floor muscle regime. What we know, if we just tell you without an assessment or checking, then you are 70% likely to get it wrong. So there's good research to show that verbal instructions just are not enough.
2: Angela, the physio, says that we often
1: just ignore our pelvic floor and we really shouldn't. I feel really sorry for the pelvic floor because people can't see it. And it is so important for so many reasons. And I think if we could see it, it maybe would have more of a a following. So it controls bladder function, Mm. sexual function, bowel function, and it stabilises our pelvis, hips and back. So there's not many other muscles that has such a role in our body. So I would love women to know the importance of the muscle, know exactly what they need to do to keep that area in good health for the long term. I noticed when you were doing the
2: exam on Madeline that you at times shut your eyes and it's like you were tr- you were picturing the muscle in there if you were sculpting the pelvic floor muscle. What does it look
1: like? I do actually do that. You're right, and it is me trying to connect exactly to what the architecture of that woman's pelvis is and doing. So I get a much more specific picture because I feel like it can help the woman um, rehabilitate better when I've got that. But pelvis means bowl. It means bowl in Latin, and that's probably quite descriptive. So it's sort of a, a, a muscular base of the pelvis. The muscles attach from the pubic bone back to the coccyx. It's like a hammock.
2: And gravity is totally working against that hammock. So we definitely should be doing our exercises. This is how Angela says you should do a pelvic floor contraction. First thing you've got to do is get comfortable.
1: And then squeezing the muscles around the front, so thinking you're stopping urination, then squeezing the vaginal walls together and then pulling up through the back passage like you're stopping wind. Then you let that go. If you wanted strengthen your pelvic floor you try your hardest with that exercise so you do it in a maximum capacity without the other muscles coming in to help and you'd say do 10 or so of those the next one would be endurance where you do the same type of exercise but you hold it a little less intensely and you hold it over a longer period of time like going for a jog rather than a sprint hold it for about 10 seconds relax do that about 10 times and then you finish off with 10 little quick pulses to get those quick fibres happening so you can turn it on for things like sneezing, coughing, and jumping. There is another way to get your head around
2: this. Imagine your pelvic floor muscles are an elevator and you simply close the doors and lift up to the next floor. See, it's easy. Sometimes, though, these exercises aren't enough. There are also these little rubber rings of scaffolding called pessaries that your physio can
1: pop into your vagina to support your pelvic floor. So a pessary is a silicon device Mm. that sits in the vagina to stop the organs moving and there are many different types. There's rings, there's cubes, there's gel horns, there's donuts. there's all sorts of different pessaries. The trick is finding the right pessary to fit the woman. Some women need to wear the pessary um, consistently because they actually do have a pelvic organ prolapse and it's a really great option, a non-surgical option for women. But some women just need to wear it while they're loading their bodies, such as skipping okay. or running or mm. boot camp. I had
2: never heard of this. So after my fourth baby, I went running. I think he was about 6 months old before I started, but I felt like my guts were going to fall out of my vagina. Like it wasn't a good feeling. Is that the sort of is that the sort of situation where you would use a pessary?
1: Yeah, so if we if we saw you postnatally and we knew that you loved running yeah. um, and you've had four babies, um, you would most likely have shown a risk profile for pelvic organ prolapse and combining that with the fact that you want to run and we know that running is really important, we would fit a pessary so that you don't feel like your guts are about to fall down.
2: <laughs> pelvic floor issues predominantly affect women who have had children. Exercise post-birth is vital for whipping your pelvic floor back into shape.
0: And then let's drop down for a count of two, off we go, so go drop, two, up, two. My name's Sarah, I'm a personal trainer and started a mum and baby fitness class.
1: Let's just do a quick
0: rendition of Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Old MacDonald Had a Farm, E-I-E-I-O. We have mums that come to our class from eight weeks until, you know, older ones with with older children. You know, after you've had a baby everything's a lot looser, you've got lots of hormones um, in your body and yeah, so we just need to really take it easy and rebuild
1: again. Hi, my name's Catherine, I have three children, Imogen who's five and I gave birth to my twins ten weeks ago, Calvin and Joshua so i haven't had any issues with my pelvic floor that i'm you know yet but having just given birth i'm being conscious not to jump too high or run my name's holly i gave birth to oliver ten and a half months ago since then we've been getting back into uh, fitness and working on my pelvic floor um you know incidents of well incontinence you can't you know we need to talk about it it's one of those things you know i haven't had a full-blown accident but it's something that i'm actually talking with my girlfriends about who've just had babies i said look you know excuse me but have you pissed yourself yet she's like look i've had a few accidents but you know it's just the start it's time to get back on it so we try and laugh it off we don't want to be turning around in five years time and you know peeing ourselves every time we laugh but yeah the exercise definitely helps um,
0: thinking about it, engaging it, even just having that little reminder when you're sitting on the bus to do your exercises or, yeah, whenever you're picking them up, just to brace yourself. Good. One more slow one. And then let's speed it So, up. like Drop those
2: ladies, you're probably thinking up. that pelvic floor problems are mostly about weeing your pants. And that when you're an old lady, you might need one of those giant pads. But sorry, the bad news is that things
0: can get worse. Well, the first inkling I had that something might be a little bit amiss was when I went for my six-week checkup with my obstetrician. That's Madeline
2: Hamilton. Different from the first Madeline, our supervising producer. I know it's slightly confusing, but please stay with us. Okay, so this Madeline was 37 when she had a uterine prolapse. That's where the uterus sags or slips down from its normal position and into the vagina.
0: Anytime you experience or see something that should be inside and on the outside of your body or someone else's body, it kind of elicits a major horror kind of response. So it was very confronting and very upsetting. And I think I may have texted my husband with a text while he was at work saying, help, my vagina's falling out. Oh, my God. uh, You know, poor fellow, but anyway, that's what he's there for. (laughs) Poor (laughs) you. For (laughs) me, yeah. What size was it, this protrusion? Uh, Probably about the size of a walnut. Okay. Yep. An uncracked walnut. (laughs) So we talk so much about baby stuff,
2: you know, let's Mm -hmm. learn about breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. how to get your baby to sleep, nipple care. Yep. Did you know anything about prolapse before it happened?
0: No, I had that in the back of my mind very far back as worst case scenario after having babies. I knew that this did happen to women. I didn't know the specifics of it. I very much put my head in the sand. I was a little bit familiar with maybe urine leakage and things like that that could be an issue, but not uterine prolapse. I was not familiar with the intricacies of that at all. What impact has prolapse had on your life? I find it tricky to use tampons and I find it tricky to use a menstrual cup, which I really, really want to use. Um, It can be unpredictable about whether they'll actually stay up and in and whether I can get them in in the first place. Has it impacted things like sex? Not for me, no. Um, not according to my partner. And you're meant to have lots of sex. It's meant to strengthen the pelvic floor, orgasm specifically. So um, I've never had any problem with that. No, I must just have a super vagina as it is. So Me too. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I asked
2: mine last night about it. Yeah. So has, has anything changed since you know from before the last two babies and now yeah and it's like no no and I looked at him like I turned my head and I really <laughs> locked him in the eye like are you sure you can tell me the truth <laughs> yeah yeah and he was like no I can't, I'm just happy to be there I was like yeah yeah you're happy yeah, to be exactly. there but has anything changed he was he said he really couldn't tell
0: no and if you if you just like gauging it by their sexual enjoyment then to me there's no change yeah they still look ridiculous when they're doing it No, no, that's just your partner, not mine
2: (laughs) Um, Just so you know, because I think you do want to know Madeline's walnut popped back in which is a real relief but it popped back up there with physiotherapy not with surgery which could have been an option Dr Jenny King is the urogynecologist you heard from a little earlier. She says surgery isn't the magic bullet for your pelvic floor.
3: It's not necessary for a lot of people. A lot of it's a bit of wear and tear. It has to be doing something to you. It has to be affecting your quality of life. Not potentially affecting your quality of life in the future, but now. I do find it reassuring
2: hearing you talk about wear and tear and how, you know, our faces and our tits don't look the same and that's the same should go for the pelvic floor. So I go to the gym. Every time I do a a class where there's jumping around, the instructor offers like a less cardio intense, non-jumping around option. And it's usually the women who've had children that take that option. So instead of, for instance, doing star jumps, they might do squats for that bit of squat. So they're trying to avoid, this is my guess, a bit of urine leaking out. Is that situation something that women should just
3: live with? The first thing to say is I'm absolutely delighted you go to a gym where the instructors have any concept of pelvic floor because normally they think women have to do weight-bearing exercises because that's good for you and all that does is put strain on your pelvic floor. Having said that, star jumps, if I wanted to demonstrate leakage in someone and I was having a bit of trouble, I would get them to do a star jump. (laughs) So star jumps and trampolines, they're just not good for us really. I'd avoid those ones. (laughs) What shouldn't we be doing? You don't want to do weights standing.
2: I do weights like four times a week standing. Mm,
3: You would be better sitting down (laughs) and then doing push weights for legs and things like that. No matter how strong your upper body is, there is a stage where you will increase that intradominal pressure. Now, your rib cage can't go out too far if there's pressure internally. Your belly can't go out too far. Your pelvic floor can give. Here's another
2: thing. So when I told friends about this episode, they leaned in and they used their confidential voices and said, I want to know about what happens to my vagina. They didn't use that word. They said, I want to know what happens to my pussy after I've given birth vaginally. Am I loose? Am I loosey-goosey? Is it sort of not the same? Is it that classic joke, watching your wife give birth is like watching your favourite pub burn down?
3: Yeah. You know, there is a simple solution, really, and there are penile implants available for men who have a problem with loose vaginas. Why is it always our fault? However, look, the vagina does change after childbirth. When I examine someone, I can tell they've had a vaginal delivery as opposed to, say, a caesarean section or no deliveries at all. Is it non-functioning? No. You can still get your pelvic floor muscles working because that's around the entrance to the vagina. Now, all of that tension in the vagina that we use during intercourse is at the entrance. It's those pelvic floor muscles around the introitus. In intercourse, the vaginal walls in all women, particularly with orgasm, will blow out. There's no tightness against the penis higher up in the vagina. So, you know, it really doesn't matter. And really, I feel this quite strongly, for women, there is their sexual pleasure as well. And the clitoris isn't particularly affected by childbirth, right? I have heard horrible comments from men like, it's like stirring a tin of paint, having sex with my wife after the baby. Well, you know, he's just a waste of space, isn't he? And I think for most good relationships, it's not an issue. For a poor relationship, it may be an issue. But I don't see why we need to feel bad about that. Hey,
2: who's got a mate who thinks she's avoided damage to that whole area because she didn't deliver babies vaginally? I've got a bunch of friends who think so. It's definitely a common idea, I think, that if you've had a cesarean, your vagina is safe. But Jenny
3: says that's just not right. We know now from the big population studies, if you only had two children and you had both those children by cesarean section, you would reduce your chances of moderate to severe stress incontinence by 5 to 10% over someone who had had two vaginal deliveries but only up to the age of 50. And after that, it evens out very much. Because people who listen to this might not have had children. So is a pelvic floor issue something that's not in their futures? Certainly can still get an overactive bladder. You can certainly, when you're older, still get a bit of stress incontinence. You're much less likely to have prolapse, right? There does seem to need to be a mechanical stretching. Your lifetime risk of needing surgery for prolapse or incontinence is about 20%. So 80% of women are not needing anything. And I certainly, it would distress me considerably, and it does, that women think an elective cesarean section will save you from pelvic floor issues and is a reasonable thing to do. It's partially protective for some women for a while, but you pay a big price for that. Pelvic mesh, also known as transvaginal
2: mesh, was a popular surgical solution to issues like incontinence and prolapse up until recently. It's basically like a net or a sling that's meant to hold everything in and give permanent support to your weakened pelvic organs. But it's become really controversial. Thousands of women around the world have had problems. It's been devastating. Many couldn't exercise, work, have sex or even sit down after the surgery.
0: I'm very frustrated, I get depressed, I'm angry at the medical profession for not explaining to me how this would impact my life. In
2: Australia, a Senate inquiry recommended that mesh should only be used as a last resort.
3: But Dr Jenny says that people have become far too worried about the surgery. The problem with the whole investigation and the anxiety is that people are saying mesh is bad. Mesh per se is not bad. It can be life changing. And unfortunately, when you get a product that is easily identifiable and people have had bad outcomes, people tend to think the product's the issue. I truly think when it's used appropriately and for the right ladies, it can make such a difference. But I'm now finding, this is something I've talked about a lot, that women are scared Mm. and I don't want to push them. I can't 100% promise a perfect outcome. So I'm not going to push someone to surgery even though I honestly think based on my experience, that it's the right thing to do. Mm. I just wish we could set the pendulum back a little bit and we'd have a little more informed approach. Even Dr Jenny says that some women
2: shouldn't have had the surgery. But to reiterate her point, it's really important that women aren't scared to seek the advice of their doctor. But I don't think I was even told to see my doctor. This episode has kind of blown my mind. Even after delivering four kids out of my own vagina, no one ever told me that pelvic floor physio even existed. Did you know that in France, after birth, they retrain your pelvic floor for free? The French government scheme, nicknamed Vagina Boot Camp, has been running since the 80s. This is Angela James, the physio we spoke to earlier.
1: different in France they're really not accepting incontinence and prolapse and they they have postnatal rehab as part of their standard process around vaginal delivery the government pays for 10 to 12 sessions of pelvic physio which is fabulous I'd love that to be the case here
2: because I hadn't even heard of pelvic physio until this episode Mm. you're kidding me so so the other thing that worries me is I know women are going to listen to this and go I will never go to a pelvic physio this is just not within my budget or my lifestyle. Like it's, I'm, I've, for starters, I've got a kid or whatever, you know, I can't do it. So in some countries, they just have it like we
1: have midwife visits. That's right. And that's where I feel like it belongs. So like you have your six week check with your GP or gynaecologist or midwife and your immunizations for your child alongside of those standard practices should be a body check, a postnatal physical assessment.
2: At the moment, most of my friends in this situation think that a bit of incontinence or maybe a prolapse is the price they have to pay to become a parent. Here's the best advice from our women at, dare I say it, pelvic floor ground zero. Madeline's the woman
0: who had the uterine prolapse. I wish I'd been more honest with myself about some of the physical experiences I was having probably between my second baby and my third baby. I wish that uh, other women had been more honest with me and I wish that my health professionals had highlighted it as a potential risk early. I say to women, don't be ashamed or embarrassed about it. Prolapse is a horrible word. Like, you know, your body has lapsed. It's made some kind of mistake, some major error. But you haven't done anything wrong. You're not responsible for it. But do get support to get yourself better because it is
3: out there. If you're listening to this and you can identify with some of it, maybe you leak at the gym with star jumps, maybe you've noticed something bulging down there, Please don't be frightened. It's not going to be a horrible cancer. Pluck up your courage and talk to your GP. But
2: I totally get why women who suspect they have a problem would avoid seeking help for it.
3: Someone (laughs) will need to look at some stage.
2: Someone will need to take a look at some stage. That's good to know, right? So someone needs to take a look. There will be poking and prodding at some point. Yes. Yeah, Okay. Absolutely. Gross, but okay. (laughs) It's just a vagina. (laughs) I know, I know. You know, after you've given birth. When we were, were know, wrapping up this episode, I quietly made my own appointment at the Pelvic Floor Physio. And I found out later that my supervising producer, Madeline, who's had two kids, went and did the exact same thing. So we were both sneaking off for some pelvic physio on the DL. Without going into too much detail, the physio I saw offered me some non-surgical solutions to minor problems which I would not have even known were available if I weren't working on this podcast. She also showed me a pelvic floor phone app, which really insistently reminds me to do my exercises three times a day. And Madeline and I both feel better, like we've made some major investments in our pussy's futures. So there. Listen, if you do need some help, you can seek some advice from the Continence Foundation of Australia. They have a free helpline on one 800 3300 And if you've got a friend in your life who needs to hear, ladies, don't assume that they know how to download and listen to a podcast. Grab their phone, show them how it's done on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Ladies is mixed by Timothy Jenkins with music production by Martin Peralta. It's produced by Cassandra Stee. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. Our digital producer is Olivia Willis. And our executive producer is Laura McAuliffe. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. And hey, if you're in Sydney please join me for a special live show of Ladies We Need To Talk. It's coming up August 4 at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Sydney. One of my favourite guests, Dr Melissa Kang, will be joining me for an open and frank conversation all about women, for women, by women. So grab your posse and get tickets. They're available now at abc.net.au slash abcevents.